I'm your host, Riem Zin Labidin, and you are listening to Tech Tag Podcast. Today, our guest is Roxolana Jashuk. She's a big data engineer at Captify and a speaker at technical conferences and meetups. She's one of the women who code leads in Kyiv in Ukraine. Let's meet Roxolana and learn more about her journey. Hello, Roxolana. I'm glad to have you here. Hello, I'm happy to be here as well. Thanks for your time. Tell us fun facts about yourself. I think the most fun fact is that I have a twin sister. And we studied at the university together. So we kind of went all the way in our engineering careers. And now she's data scientist and I'm big data engineer. So we are kind of in the same field, but doing a bit different things. Ah, nice. So during uh, your whole studies, you, uh, you studied together at high school and also university, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And how did you get inspired or got... Uh, passionate about um, big data? It was kind of accidental. Uh, I just got into Women Who Code community and uh, I met a lot of people who were data scientists at the time. And uh, there was this um, kind of French school by one of the universities in France in uh, one of the Ukrainian universities. So professors arrived and they gave a few lectures during the week. And we decided to go, and that's where I heard about big data, data science, and it sounded really exciting. And uh, after that, I kind of got into online courses, and it went from there. Nice. And uh, did you face some challenges during your uh, studies in the beginning? Uh, yeah, for sure. Probably uh, the most challenging thing was for me to learn another programming language since uh, I was Java developer at the time and I was switching to Scala and uh, it was probably the most challenging thing. But uh, another one is probably that uh, I worked a bit on the infrastructure tools and uh, it was during the courses I did on big data and uh, it was kind of a totally new thing for me before I was just coding and thinking more on the solving some algorithms and building solutions, but not about infrastructural side. And uh, you started uh, uh, learning about them in parallel with your studies or after your studies uh, in your first jobs? Uh, in parallel, kind of uh, usual situation in Ukraine that uh, students from third year studying, fourth year get a full-time job. And we kind of try to work and get to the university a few times a week. So it's kind of a normal thing, but it's still a bit complicated to do, especially depending on the workload at work and uh, the amount of uh, labs or just uh, modules or whatever else we need to study at the university so it's a bit different from everyone but for me it was hard to combine both of them because uh, at my university we had to attend quite often and therefore I needed to get there at least three four times a week from work and then get back to work and do some tasks there so it was uh, quite complicated it is full-time job or uh, part-time 
or it is part of internship? It can be different. Uh, sometimes it can be an internship, uh, but uh, most of the times uh, people just get to like junior level position and it's a mm-hmm. full-time job, but managers know that like this person is studying at the university, so it's okay when uh, like they can arrive later during the work day or miss some meetings or they need to reschedule some meetings. So it works in such a way. I had uh, an internship in the beginning, so it was in the evening or on the weekends, which was fine for scheduling. But after I got uh, the job after the internship, uh, it was like a full-time thing. So they just knew that I had to go to the university sometimes, like a few times a week. I see. Yeah, and I think um, working uh, during that time will help, will, um, help you to learn more uh, quicker because there will be uh, people who uh, can guide you uh, at work, right? Yeah. Like, did you start the job that they gave you, for example, a project and that you have to figure it out by yourself from zero? Or uh, there is always uh, someone who guided you? I think there was always someone who guided me. It just depended on the person, how much they were involved in this guidance process. Uh, like my first mentor and kind of a team lead of a small team uh, where I was uh, working on the project, uh, he was like around all the details. So I didn't feel like I was just like just doing something alone and uh, that I wouldn't ha- have any help. Uh, but they also uh, gave enough freedom in terms of the technical choices. So it was a balanced way of uh, both working on some problems and having someone to ask about those problems. I see. Getting a mentor or having a guidance will uh, make the path shorter because, um, yeah, otherwise you would need to figure it out by yourself. And after your studies, um, did you continue uh, working at the same company? Sort of. So I spent there almost two years, which was my fourth year of the university and the fifth, which is a master's already. And uh, I had only half a year left to study to just finish my diploma. And that's when I switched the job and went to the company where I work now. And uh, it wasn't like much of the studying at the time. I was just uh, building diploma in my free time on the weekend. So it wasn't the same as before when I had to go to the university. It felt like less of the university and more of work. Mm -hmm. Is there anything changed after university comparing to your job before? For example, did you ask for promotion or is there something that maybe um, without to make uh, some step further in your career? When I switched the job, um, I just uh, felt more confident uh, as a specialist because I knew that I had like only a few months left to finish university and uh, it wasn't the same as studying before. And I already had enough experience to get promotions and just be confident in my skills. So it really helped. Also, I think um, it was a, a lot about the attitude of other people. At my first job, like both, most of the people knew that I was a student and a lot of other people who joined at the same time were students. So I think because of that, uh, it was a bit harder to get like more, in a way, personal attitudes that 
you're growing faster and you need to get promotion faster, for example. It was more like the same for everyone who joined at the same time because we, are all, we were all students at the time. Well, when I changed the company, I felt like I was more in control of my career in a way that I can like ask for promotion, that I can just go to the higher position, which I did when I switched the job uh, because I didn't get promotion at my previous one for quite a long time. So it felt like now I'm just a specialist, like working in the field before I felt like 50-50 in a way because I was still studying as well. And uh, your uh, previous job was uh, working in uh, the big data field, right? Yeah. At that time, at that point in time, you started Scala yeah. already? Yeah, I was uh, writing in Scala mostly. And uh, do you remember some challenges uh, in your first job that you have encountered? I think there are a lot of challenges with just um, starting to work on new projects, uh, which is like, always hard in the beginning but I think uh, mm-hmm. I, I felt like I required a lot of time to learn something but in reality in comparison to other people maybe not as much because I worked really a lot and I studied a lot in my free time so I felt like basically it's hard to start something new like you need to jump higher in a way so infrastructural stuff like I started to work with uh, Kubernetes, uh, I think, a year after I joined on one of the projects. So it was challenging as well. But I guess the biggest challenge was about people, uh, which I didn't encounter as much before during internships and uh, university that sometimes people kind of made it harder or they organized processes in not very comfortable way, which uh, instead of simplifying work kind of made it worse. In which way? In technical way or in the way of communicating? More in the way of communicating and uh, in terms of processes like code reviews, specific meetings uh, in Agile, some of those might not be well organized. Uh, for example, in my team, we had like stand-ups before and uh, a few more meetings probably and that's it. But we didn't have like some retrospective discussions of what's going on and everyone felt like they were doing something alone without any connection to anyone else. And uh, at some point when we needed to connection to build a connection between our functionalities, it was very hard because no one knew what everyone else was doing. And uh, we also had totally different experiences and there was like nothing nothing in terms of time and processes invested to kind of build this bridge between one another so uh, on the project where I worked for I think the last year at the company it was like that but it was a bit hard in terms of processes I see and uh, in your current job you uh, do you feel that things are getting smoother and better because you are now more experienced Yeah, I think that and it's mostly uh, about uh, ownership, like being able to say that uh, that's the mistake that I did and uh, knowing that people would react normally to that and that it's possible to fix that because uh, my first job, it was hard that someone would might yell at me or say something unpredictable. So it was a bit uh, like complicated to learn how to do these things, which are just hard in general. And uh, also a bit about um, taking more responsibility like myself without waiting for someone to do that. 
which is which can also be hard. Like uh, for example, now I switched teams, and uh, in my previous team uh, we had like um, this ownership map where everyone in the team owns a specific amount of modules in the code base of the team and uh, owning means like improving them, defining their architectural changes, fixing the issues. And uh, when it was introduced for the first time as an approach for teamwork, uh, I was kind of worried that what if I'm not going to be good enough to define these like architectural decisions and uh, possible fixes, but um, eventually just became a habit in a way and uh, I realized that it's great to kind of take these challenges step by step to grow here. Nice. Earlier you mentioned about um, a colleague, uh, like someone yelled at you. This is doesn't sound right. Why was it that way? Why that person thought it, it, they are allowed to do that? Or I think um, just in general or... Uh, like observing many people in tech over time, I would say that there are some few characters, I call them, yeah. that people that uh, can be like very bright personality in a way, but doesn't always mean that it's a, a positive thing, especially for people that work with them. And uh, it's kind of not often that you can encounter such people, but it happens, like it happened at my previous workplace. And uh, I think that such people just as he did, we were kind of in a way entitled because they felt that they had enough experience to teach others and tell them what to do. And uh, it was probably also around like feeling more privileged in a way. Uh, like for example, uh, when I just met him, he said that he like against uh, women in tech, although oh. he knew a lot of women in tech and he kind of respected them, which was a bit weird. Like a contrast if you know uh, successful women in tech and you think that they are awesome at their job but at the same time you still think that it's not okay for them to be in tech it's a bit uh, kind of contradiction here so uh, it, it's complicated to work with such people yeah it's toxic like when you every day has to work uh, you have to yeah. work with him yeah and uh, are there some uh, other challenges that you think you have experienced just because you were uh, a woman? Yeah, as I mentioned, like there are some people who may be explicit about their opinion about women in tech or some of them kind of implicit because there can be some code of conduct or rules in the company. So they won't say this directly, but you might just feel it in their attitude. So I think that in general, I could uh, progress faster in terms of promotions in my career if uh, I would be like a guy, just because uh, there are a lot of people who are managers and they judge by the gender as well. And yeah. uh, I met this multiple times and it's really weird sometimes when they um, kind of, I notice that uh, sometimes uh, male uh, managers ask for more from uh, women engineers than from men kind of like set the higher standards and I notice that quite often uh, maybe because they have this stereotype that women like work harder and try to achieve something harder and that's why they kind of push it there but uh, it 
at the same time, it's unfair because it looks like a man can be more relaxed in their job, which I notice quite often. Like I could discuss with my colleagues uh, the same manager and they felt completely different about him, uh, although we are working like in the same team. So I think uh, these uh, behaviors are also very hard to work around and uh, it's something that should be managed by someone else as well from the side or like higher on the higher level in the company. Yeah, there are few women in tech. What do you think the reason? I think uh, it starts kind of earlier than getting a job from school or even earlier when we set standards that uh, only boys can work on something technical and be interested in computers while girls can't. Like, uh, for example, in my school, I think from my class, only uh, four people, including me and my sister, graduated and went to study in tech. And one of them, also, one of us also was a girl. So basically one girl aside from me and my sister, mm-hmm. which is not a lot. It's like a very small uh, number of people who are interested in tech. And uh, also in school, when people say, mostly teachers, that uh, like women should get married or think about having a family instead of getting into tech, which I also heard quite often. Like when I first uh, started programming at school uh, and I did some mistakes and there were things which were like hard for me, um, a teacher could say that like it's not a big deal. It may be harder for like girls and it kind of offended me at the time, although didn't understand much like why, because I wasn't into feminism or something like that when I was at school. But I felt like it was unfair as well that kind of why it's harder for me, although I'm just studying the same as everyone else. Yeah, it, they made like um, a stereotype that only men uh, can do this. And it is weird because really it is the same for anyone. They can, uh, can study uh, programming and work in tech in general. Yeah. Yeah, also kind of have an example of my brother who were into computers. Uh, he's older than me by uh, eight years. So the first computer like appeared at my home because uh, he was into it. And he start, started to study programming quite early, but now he's not into programming at all. He's more like into management and he thinks that programming is quite hard. Well, for example, me and my sister are on the contrary, more into programming. So. It doesn't depend like on the gender at all. It's more yeah. like on the interests and uh, background and skills. Yeah, exactly. And if someone is interested about something, they can learn it. And in any field, like anyone else can do whatever they are interested of. It's not, uh, it shouldn't be limited because of the gender, for example, or anything uh, related to who you are. Yeah. And uh, I also think that uh, the reason that there are less women who choose this major because of uh, the lack of role models, it's um, like now I'm grateful that they started. There are people who started to uh, be publicly um, uh, shining through uh, different uh, platforms. And this inspire other women. And I think when uh, women speak up and 
I believe there are many, many uh, women are interested in tech and they are uh, learning programming, etc. If uh, each woman will be um, visible in social media, for example, it has a lot of impact on other women. Uh, I encourage every woman um, to uh, go for it and to, to be uh, a role model for others. Yeah, definitely works that way. Uh, just uh, last week, uh, one of the um, CIO, we have a great uh, woman CIO who is also like a role model for a lot of other women in the company said that it's great that I'm speaking at the conferences because people outside of the company can see that there are women engineers there who kind of can present. And uh, at the same time, I heard the story from my colleague who uh, before he joined the company, kind of Googled what this company does and found my talks. And he saw that uh, kind of uh, it's a great presentation of uh, tech that we are building at the same time, like uh, diversity of the workforce. So it definitely works in such a way that sometimes we don't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah, this is really nice. And uh, you are also one of the organizers of... Uh, Women Who Code, yeah. Women Who Code. Can you tell us about this? Is it a meetup or uh, an, an organization? Uh, it's a global organization. There is uh, headquarters are in the US, in Atlanta, as far as I remember. So there are, they cover like, I think, 70 cities or something like that. So there is like a small community in each city. And uh, in some cities, there can be like thousands of people. In some other cities, hundreds, depending on how many women are there and uh, how many, basically how tech is developed in that region. And uh, in Kyiv, it started like uh, almost five years ago. It's going to be five years uh, next year. And uh, I joined like also totally accidentally just to kind of volunteer. It sounded interesting and now we grew in a way that uh, we're kind of remember of the first years as a startup when we had to do everything. We organized meetups, we looked for sponsors, looked for speakers. So it was a lot of things to do. While now we have uh, like a lot of sponsors that support us, uh, a huge team around like 15 people. Uh, so, and everyone does something else. And aside from meetups, uh, we have like a mentorship program with, I don't know, like uh, at least 50 people who were there. So we scaled uh, over time and now it feels totally different, but at the same time, it's a really rewarding experience to see how it changes the tech community in Ukraine as well, because uh, we found uh, like so many women who were speaking at our events we're just coming to our events that uh, now when someone asks to like recommend someone to speak, I always uh, remember someone who was speaker at our events and they asked like, do you know only women in that sphere? And I'm like, I know a lot of women. <laughs> and when someone can find like women for their conferences, we always uh, in the community say that we had so many speakers that we don't even know like Men in this sphere, for example, data science, we only know women who are speakers at our This events. is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is really uh, amazing. Are there uh, still um, talks and um, mentorship programs in uh, uh, Women Who Code? 
Yeah, we went uh, online in 2020, and mm -hmm. for now we are still conducting it in the online format. So we have a few online meetups every month on totally different topics because we all have like different directions, like data science, uh, front end uh, testing, and all of that. So different events on that. This is nice. It's um like this is how um empower empowerment women. yeah how em empowering women empowering women yeah and other women will get also more encouraged to join this is very nice do you have advice for women who are interested to study anything related to tech i would say that uh, it's okay to try different things uh, because uh, some people sometimes say that we kind of wasted this time going into this direction, but uh, it shows over time that uh, all the all kind of experiences that we get around tech, being like different kind of developers, actually help us to become someone else at the at some period of time. So it's okay to doubt yourself and kind of try different things, and at some point it's going to be quite easy to understand what you want to do, but it's it's going to be hard without trying anything. So I would definitely recommend uh, trying different passes, different things which can be trendy or just interesting in general, and uh, getting to understand whether like, you like to do it or not. And uh, only after that, you make some decision in terms of the career path. Yeah, nice. And uh, do you think there is a way for people who have companies already and who are interested to have diverse teams. Um, do you have also an advice or some tips for them to make their company more inclusive, to make others feel really um, welcomed? In terms of hiring, they could uh, kind of uh, write it up about it explicitly, like in the job position that we are like building inclusive culture. So at least it gives the understanding for the candidates uh, what kind of uh, like environment it is in this company. And uh, also regarding hiring, I think it's great to try hiring in a diverse pool of candidates. It's uh, one of the things that my company is currently trying to do because uh, we are introducing kind of like blind uh, CV review. So you, doesn't, you don't know what the gender of the person is uh, aside from the technical skills, but it kind of adds up to the challenge uh, whether it's going to be a, a diverse pool of candidates or still mostly men. So I think a great solution here is to probably partner with some communities which have uh, diverse candidates uh, and something like that around uh, local region, like my company does as well. So I think it's very helpful. And uh, also um, kind of promoting those uh, people in the company which represent these diverse backgrounds uh, on a more explicit level so that others, when they would want to find out more about the company, know that there are people of uh, different races there, different genders, and it will give like a great understanding about that. And uh, as for building inclusive culture in the company, I think it's a kind of a long way. Uh, there are a lot of things to do, uh, but uh, in general, I think it's important to uh, give everyone a chance to voice their opinion and to learn from each other. 
like uh, just last week we had this um, thing that we do every year in my company uh, during the day of peace it's called the reflection day where we have a library of uh, diverse inclusion resources and we just spend the whole day like studying watching some movies reading books and after that we discuss what we read and uh, how it changed our opinion about something so i think it's a great way to promote some resources like that within the company and give some time to educate people in the company and help them to educate themselves as well. Yeah, it's good um, uh, tips and uh, advice. Uh, I attended some of your talks uh, in uh, Scala community uh, events. Uh, yeah, I remember it was about Kubernetes and uh, uh, I like your way of presenting your slides and also the story that you are uh, telling, uh, the way how you explain. Is there uh, someone who inspired you or uh, something that makes you think about getting started uh, to give talks? Uh, first of all, thanks. It was very nice to hear that. Uh, so I, I didn't have a plan of becoming a speaker. I would say that kind of just happened. Uh, I had a lot of examples of other women at the Women Who Called community. And before I started to speak, I think I was uh, an organizer of events for more than a year. So I kind of saw how it happens on the background in a way. And uh, that's why at some point I thought that I might try as well. And uh, I had a few people who were very inspiring for me, like my friend uh, Helen, who is now director of Women Who Called London. So sometimes it's kind of fun how we have some connections and uh, then uh, some transitions in the career happen. And it's fun to have someone to know like from other cities as well then. So she was given a lot of talks uh, more on the like, C++ environment, infrastructure, and uh, not that many women work in this uh, sphere. So. I saw that it's quite exciting and I always loved her talks. And she told me that at some point you're going to be there speaking as well, and uh, which I didn't believe at the time, <laughs> but eventually it did happen. And uh, I gave my first talk at Women Who Called Kiev meetup. Uh, it was just a local meetup at one of the offices. And uh, after that, I decided to try giving talk at conferences. Uh, so my first conference was uh, Scala UA in 2018, I think, yeah. And uh, that's where it kind of all started. And after that, I decided to try this and that and just happened. <laughs> cool. I joined your talk in uh, uh, Lyon in Scala IO and uh, mm -hmm. then online in, uh, uh, I think, Functional Scala and also Scala Love. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And also, I was very excited to know you uh, it's, um, in person because I remember I followed you uh, uh, before I joined your talk. And uh, yeah, uh, I was happy to know you. Same. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> cool. I have another question. Um, what do you wish you had known? I think um, to kind of believe more in myself and my skills, which I didn't do at the time, like a lot of uh, heavy imposter syndrome when I thought that I'm not going to achieve anything, uh, when I, especially when I was looking for my first job. So, and also not to kind of hurry 
to get to some goals because I think I moved really fast in the beginning of my career. And uh, like a lot of people noticed that as well, which uh, might be like positive for promotions and growing fast professionally, but it's not very good in the long run because career is more like a long marathon than a short one. And therefore it's kind of good to work on uh, not only your skills, like in terms of technical ones, but also uh, take care of the mental health. It's a bit hard later when you can't work as much as you would want to because you feel like uh, I used to work that much before, but now I can't do that because it's hard on my health or because I don't feel like, uh, because I feel bad after working that much. So it's probably more important to kind of take it slower because at some point it's still possible to achieve those goals, but maybe a bit more time would be needed to do that. Yeah, especially about um, taking care of uh, your mental health. Also time management uh, to to manage working and resting and take care of yourself yeah. and also yeah prioritizing because uh, sometimes i think uh, especially in the beginning of career it's hard not to take all the change chances which are given to you because you feel like it's the first and the last time i get this but then it's hard to manage all of that especially yeah. if it's something outside of work like speaking at conferences for example and taking too much of those when there is too much work at the same time. Yeah, you're right. Thanks a lot for your time. I enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you. Woohoo! I feel really empowered right now and I got inspired after talking to Roxolana. I hope that you also enjoyed our conversation and learned from this episode. You know, Every one of us can participate to create an inclusive and safe environment. And this will change the world for the better. I'm looking forward to our next episode with a new guest and a new inspiring story. Until then, stay safe and stay tuned to our next episode. Tic Tac, tackle the inspiration. <laughs>